Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... The Transformers The Movie by Nelson Smith, Closer by Mike Nichols, Empire of Light by Sam Mendes, we have newly released Fool's Paradise by Charlie Day, and finally, Transformers Rise of the Beasts, directed by Stephen Cable Jr. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay on my end. How was your week of movies, man? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, was not looking forward to this week too much. Can't say it was a stellar week, but I'll tell you what. That Transformers <laughs> 1986, that is a gem. Uh, I, 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 was, I started watching it without any intention of reviewing it. And by oh, really? End, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, we're covering this. This, is, this needs to reach audiences' ears. <laughs> I put it on. Yeah, it's free on YouTube. So I put it on the newsletter, and I watched it as well. Yeah. Oh, really? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Of course, I watched Excellent. it. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, we have an array of movies here. I'm interested to see why you picked some of these. Yeah. But, yeah. um do you want to, when you say you weren't looking forward to it, it's because of the rise of the beast. Right? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. 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 <laughs> and more so just when I saw it, I saw it pretty early. I saw it on a Wednesday screening. Uh, Ooh, which, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Until we get those screeners, I think Wednesday, that's about as early as Wednesday I can is do. good. They keep on backing it up more and more. I know, like yeah. Thursday night started. They labeled it like fan event. Okay. All was right. it crowded? Uh, there was certainly fans. I'll tell you what. There was a hardcore <laughs> Old nerds and the, you know, those Hasbro nerds. What are you going to do with them? Uh, but yeah, uh, until we get screeners, I think that's going to be the earliest I can do. But when I saw it on Wednesday, I was like, should I just watch all of them? You know, should I just watch all of them? Because you Michael have some Bay more bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but uh, I'm glad I'm glad how this is sorted out. No, I think this is fine. No yeah. one was asking for all of them. Sure. And I don't know if there's eight of them. Yeah. Too, and so it doesn't to fit be in fair, a five it's slot. It's technically in a different uh, timeline. Yeah. You know? So another thing I put on the newsletter mm-hmm. is the way they came out as far as year release yep. doesn't match up to actually chronological as far as storyline goes. Yep. Yep. I'll start there and sure. kind of go I, over it. I think it. that's a great intro. The 1986 The Transformers The Movie, mm-hmm. it takes place in 2005. Yeah. <laughs> But it's so it's so connected to the show, yes. where it's like just watch. You can go ahead and watch that yep. first. Uh, but then it goes Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. As far as if you want to again, if you want to watch this as far as chronological order, sure. not not based on release date storyline yep. goes. Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Then it goes Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Yep. And then you get your normal ones. You yep. have Transformers, the Bayhem. right? And then whatever it was, then Dark of the Moon, <laughs> then whatever it was, a- and then the um, you can say f- that about fan all of Transformer. Five. Who's the guy? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yep, then. yep. His two. You get his two. Last night and but, Extinction something. Yes, ex- Age of Extinction, yeah. and then last night was the one. Oh, okay. the, was the second one. Yeah, I might have mixed up. <laughs> okay, good. All right, all right. Anyway, so the decision not to watch them is already paying yes. off. <laughs> Let's go back. This is 1986's The Transformers, the movie, directed by Nelson Smith. Vin, how did you like this movie? I loved this movie. <laughs> uh, folks, I, I started watching this as an absolute joke. Again, it was... It was uh, it's something that I found. I found that it was in licensing hell too. So currently, you can kind of buy it on YouTube, but it's also free. Like the full upload. Yeah, is on some YouTube. guy posted it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but licensing hell, if you want to kind of buy it on streaming in any other capacity. And I was looking at that timeline. I saw this being on its own at the very peak of that original TV show, uh, G One, as Transformers fans will refer to. 
you know, in addition to falling in love in the first 10 minutes of the film, I was shocked about how many characters were, were there were. And then a lot. in a third stage, I'm still not planning to review it just yet. In a third stage, I found out the voice cast and my yeah. mind was blown. <laughs> <laughs> we got Leonard Nimoy playing Galvatron, a villain, no less. Love yep. Nimoy as a villain. Uh, we got the iconic Peter Cullen and Frank Welker doing Optimus and Megatron. And though themselves maybe not huge stars, but you know Peter is still, still doing, Optimus doing Optimus to this day. I do like the character of Optimus. Yeah, like yeah, the voice is great. Voice phenomenal, for the, the, and yeah. they've always tuned into how robotic it needs to sound yeah. and how heroic it needs to sound. It's so good, but. <laughs> We got Orson <laughs> Welles. Folks, alert, alert. Citizen Kane is in Transformers. Not only that, he's voicing Unicron, which is the biggest bad guy of the Transformers of all, yeah. world. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's the, the biggest baddie. And I just, <laughs> I could not get over. I couldn't believe it. Casey Kasem plays a character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Judd Nelson is in there. Like, I could not believe. Orson Welles, I mean, I don't know how much wine they gave this man. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I really, I, we'll have to do an Orson Welles special just to see, like, what mindset was he in? Was he just I, completely out of money? What, why no, did he I do think this? He was, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> right. And I was thinking, if I had the status of one of these guys, or Casey Kasem, yeah. who's just, like, the, one of the biggest radio personalities ever. <laughs> right, right. I think this Transformers was just so huge right now. Yeah. I think this came out right after second season of G1 Transformers. Yeah, and those seasons themselves much longer than a year, I believe. Okay, um, that was that right? Yeah, but well, they, again, these are these are practically commercials for toys. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. But so I think it's just electric right now, and maybe it's fun to go, especially in like the eight. You're in the eighties. Mm -hmm. We're not used to the whole Pixar thing where it's cool to do this animation. I think maybe it was just cool. Maybe it was yeah. actually not looking for a check, and maybe it's just like. All right, that kind of sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. And, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's a domino effect. It's like, okay, we got Leonard Nimoy. That interests some people. Get <laughs> right. a little of this in, or then you get the big Orson Welles. <laughs> right. Yeah, and big on like a whole different level big. You know, even Leonard <laughs> I Nimoy. Know. I mean, Orson Welles, man, I just I just could not. <laughs> I could not get over that. Uh, I, it was, I, I was laughing all week, Tom, about this. Yeah, it was electric. Again, I, I watched it, and I didn't know what to think. It took me about 20 minutes in for me to actually really get into it okay because let's be honest probably not quite as much as interstellar 555 right. from last week yep. this is one big music video yeah, exactly <laughs> it's a rock opera it, it is in a a electric house soft core metal opera yes absolutely and and then they threw in a weird owl song too. yeah weird like it was bonkers. at that point. That's when I texted you. I was like, okay. eh. I sent you the free link. I was like, oh, that's good for the newsletter, and maybe give it a watch. <laughs> uh, get into it a little bit, Vin. Yeah, how'd you like it? I, I mean, I, I really did love this film. I mean, and it's it's in understanding that voice cast is what clicked for me. Also, a good tie, and probably the best tie I could have done as far as a single film to Transformers: Beast Wars, because Unicron is the main villain in that as well. Kind of cool how it connects. Yeah, I was and that's that. I, if, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's he's he's anywhere else in the franchise. So I, I was like, all right, that's the bookends right there. <laughs> Seriously, though, this main voice cast is massive and largely the best part. I mean, some voices can be in so bad it's good territory, I'll be honest. But others are legitimately great, and the ones that I mentioned are a part of that. Orson Welles, killing it. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy's Galvatron, killing it. Uh, Welker and Cullen, killing it. And I, I just, I really enjoyed just how many characters there were on screen. It just felt like such a barrage of 80s and, and in a very good way. No, and you don't... It was <laughs> it was really busy. Yeah, true. It was true. highly busy. Especially yes. you have like rough animation mm -hmm. with a ridiculous amount of characters. <laughs> and then, then you have just like this constant music, yeah. which is a banger. Right? It's like it's... no <laughs> shock to wipe in like this one. <laughs> 
or told me to watch it for yeah. sure. But you know, it is a there's it's it's stimulating. And yeah. sometimes I just wonder for kids, it's just like, are they going to be are they going to be keeping track, or is it because I can't keep track? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think it, unless you're a kid in the eighties <laughs> watching this, I don't know if any of us have the attention span for it because it is jam packed. Yeah, it's busy. Uh, it's busy. Yeah. Uh, I also uh, really just want to highlight how much this movie rocks. I'm telling you. <laughs> Uh, it is it is straight up a rock opera as a Transformers movie is 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 disguised as a Transformers movie. The Transformer is transforming into a rock opera. Uh, the opening rendition of the Transformers theme is face melting. It's, it's so awesome. Uh, the entire soundtrack is this screaming. 80s arena rock songs and then the entire score is just this wonderful like 80s prog rock sci-fi yeah a little synthy yeah the synth you want uh just a fantastic soundtrack and and all of this is praised before i even talk about the story (laughs) i mean so you should probably let that speak for itself i i really i just love the feel of this and this wasn't where I've maybe knocked some dated feelings of 80s movies or anything like that. This, I feel like, was so alive and so electric. It, it made a appropriate spot for uh, these, these yeah, like, it was 80s so Yeah, it was so purposeful that it's just like, it's not just trying to throw some stuff in for yeah. it to feel 80s. It was just, this was the point yeah. almost. It felt like it was the point. <laughs> it, was, it was almost like, it, it's just like, oh, we'll just use the Transformers to do what we've been wanting to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which is to make a rock opera space right. techno type thing. Right. Kind of anime, kind of not. Right. You know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you, you, like you said already, the year is 2005. <laughs> that, that alone kind of got me. Uh, we see the continuing war over Cybertron, the home planet disputed between the Autobots and the Decepticons. Um, this coming out at the peak of the show, there are countless, and I really mean countless, allies and enemies that shift the tide of battle. Uh, cynically thinking, these countless allies and enemies are different versions of the toys and different lines of the Transformers toys, but there is a there is a large scale to the war, if you will. But the greatest threat has yet to come. Orson Welles himself, <laughs> Unicron, is a planet-sized menace that threatens all of cyber civilization. Folks, uh, continuing with the praise... It's all action, baby. There is zero <laughs> fat on this. It's an, yeah, it's an hour and 24 minutes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they rest once. Uh, I'll balance some of my praise and say that maybe the pacing is exhausting sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and especially, like I said, if you're not a child literally in the 80s watching this with uh, sugary cereals and keeping up with it. But seriously, uh, there's just really great ur- urgency to the plot. A, an early example is Megatron gets intel that... A base is undefended. There's no questioning. He's there. He's next scene. He is attacking the base. The action is there, and that is replicated throughout the entire script or the the entire plot. Um, constantly, next the the moments of moments are are just being. There's there's no downtime, and nothing is wasted in the brief eighty five minutes or so. I I don't know. I just I just was watching this. So I was like, in no way. Do I want every movie to be like this? But for an action, the war for Cybertron, it felt like a fast-paced and and very well-paced movie for that reason. It action was, movie, yeah, no, for sure, it was moving. And yeah. in a film like this, I don't, I, you don't want slow parts. Yeah, you don't want slow parts at all. Actually. Kids don't want slow parts. No, no, <laughs> it's just give me another song and let's go. Really. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, <clears throat> that's what the movie is. Uh, on a very real note, though, all of these modern Transformers movies, including uh, the new one this week, play keep away with what we all want most: a real war on Cybertron. I'll always give some praise to the 2018's Bumblebee for giving a slight glimpse to what that might look like, but it's only a single sequence. This is finally what I was looking for. This is the only Transformers film you need to watch. This is the war on Cybertron. That's all you need. Uh, It's about them fighting on their home turf and not getting lost in the human plot or the Earth plot to it. Okay, Uh, all right. I feel like that it just hit on just directly to the heart of what a Transformers movie should be. And should be about why are the Autobots and, and Decepticons fighting in the first place? It's for Cybertron. So, <laughs> uh, like I mentioned, 
the comedy, the voice acting, and especially that 80s music can all kind of be seen in a realm of so bad it's good. Uh, oh, yeah, I th- yeah. Definitely. I think this could definitely fall into someone watching this and thinking it's bad, but still enjoying it because of the so bad it, it's good. It might be where I'm at. Okay. Because I got to appreciate how good it is in a way. Okay. But the problem is I don't have uh, – it, it's you have this wonderful kid aspect in you still right. that can watch something like this <laughs> and really enjoy it. And right. I wish I had some of that. <laughs> And because you do. I was sitting there, Everyone does. I, I was sitting there really appreciating it, <laughs> uh-huh. but being zero, and I mean like completely zero invested in <laughs> any, in any of it. I think that's all right, yeah. <laughs> so I was enjoying it on certain levels, yeah. but not for the whole kink caboodle. Right, right. And don't get me wrong, do I understand the politics between each of the robot races? You know, is it still just a commercial for toy lines? <laughs> right, you know? right. I can understand on that level. But you get jazz though when mechs go and fight other absolutely. mechs. Absolutely, like that's like almost kaiju like, action. Yeah, yeah, that's like new blood in your pores. Almost, <laughs> <laughs> that's the transfusion, right? Yes, but I, I think. Apart from that so bad it's good type of appreciation of this, I think this was legitimately an awesome kids film. It's super alive. It's super fun. Yeah, that's for sure. And you can see this in the kid character Dano. You know, the action that is packed into this film is not only a child's fantasy in the best way, but the type of scenes that that they put Dano in. He's fishing with a robot. Nonsensical. He then goes to a hover bike... Uh, oh no! Yeah. A hoverboard, and he's floating around, and then guess what? He trips. He trips into a race car. Like <laughs> this works on such a primal. Like this is what kids want to see. I. That's where yeah. I kind of give it props on being somewhere actually in the good. Yeah, I was. I was saying much like when we watched the past, the Return of the King. Yeah, where I was like, I don't know if I want to. Sh- if it's mm. worth showing my kid this. This, I was like, my kids. Oh yeah, get, eat I, it up. I, I. It was in the back of my mind of, yeah. of just where has kid movies gone today? Because right. this is electric. It's only fun. <laughs> yeah. It's only action. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, analyzing this movie, I mean, again, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't. I Something I can't get out of my head is that it is just a commercial for Hasbro. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> bother me at all. Okay. Well, because <laughs> it is a show. Yeah. It's like I know we're all selling each other here. That's but true. I, it's fine. Yeah. It's content. But I think it's such a, man, uh, it, it's such a true to the demographic kids movie. Uh, and for little boys that just want to see action and just want us to have this rocking yeah, soundtrack. so badass. I think I think it's, it, it falls into a legitimately good category. Um, even the animation, I think, could be critiqued in its parts. I think for 1986, and especially for the slightly anime leanings, this looks like on par for something like Gundam or something that comes out in the mid-80s. Yeah, I would agree with that. But nonetheless, uh, I think this is a incredible fan film. Again, once again, at the height of the prop popularity of the show uh, and seeing this as a kid would have been awesome uh, honestly made me want to check out the original series and for a show that is literally one massive commercial for hasbro that's pretty impressive folks you know me well i will never give credit to what a film was we're watching in the modern day we say it a bunch and it really is what i believe but the point i want to make in bringing this up is that I'm telling you, the energy of that fan film, the energy of this coming out in 1986, comes through in watching it today. I could give two shits about Transformers. I love Transformers the movie. We're going to go ahead and give Transformers the movie, 1986, oh boy. a 72. Wow. <laughs> 72, I love I, it. I, I wanted to give it more. I, I don't know if I can defend it anymore than that. <laughs> the best possible score. That's a great yeah, score. 72 yeah. is a very good score. Yeah. Um, that's a good movie right there. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty damn good movie i think it was a good great time and i'm okay with that i'm okay with that i don't know if i loved it as much as you sure i I did come away pretty positive of it though because it just was everything you said basically yeah i think it was just tough for me to get to sit back and get back into it and care sure about the the, the kid's story a little (laughs) bit but it was electric it was badass i will say it is like this is a moment of really good action too. Like, yeah, it's, I, it's I can't, like, can't say spoilers, but there's some there's some shit in this film. <laughs> <laughs> Not for twenty four minutes too. Know, it's so great, uh, awesome, Finn. We'll leave it there for that. The Transformers. <laughs> I don't have a Tommy Two Shoes. No, it's, no. 
Uh, <laughs> it's on the newsletter. Seventy-two percent for the Transformers. Really, or Transformers the movie. Awesome. Glad you watched it. Yep, Glad you yep. reviewed it. Glad you texted it to me. It was the highlight of my week. I'm honestly. happy I watched it. Yeah, I am, and that's good, that's good. a good thing to come hey, out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to something completely different, kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, this is 2004. This is the movie called Closer, directed by Mike Nichols. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't think people just hearing that knows exactly or can picture it. Yeah. Once we see some clips, maybe you see the big thing. There's a lot of actors in it. Maybe get yep. a better idea of what it is. But anyway, 2004, one, why'd you pick it? And two, what it's about? How'd you like it? Well, why I picked it, uh, folks, I'm going to have to come come a little clean here. I'm pretty sure, and I was trying to think, I'm pretty sure this landed on my list just because it has Natalie Portman with short hair. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, I kid you not, I was watching this and saying, I have no goddamn idea why I have ever had a remote interest in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I got no experience with the director. He's just on a list. Yeah, I got no experience with the writer. Uh, so I'm only left with calling myself out. And uh, it's off the list now. So that's where we're at with, with Closer. Other big actors. I mean, it could have been you going through a Clive Owen stave, maybe. Stage. Yeah, maybe. Jude Law is in it. Julia Roberts. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. But mostly, I, I, you, know I mean? you know you better than me. You so. know me. <laughs> uh, in Closer... This this movie, I, I thought this was decent. Um, I'm gonna have to kind of calm down a little bit off the off the adrenaline high of coming off of Transformers mm-hmm. '86, but the movie is probably a slight watch just for the editing and how it layers relationships with this. Uh, we center on two couple couples in London, and seeing just how messy relationships can become. Uh, we have Jude Law, a writer; Natalie Portman, a stripper. Clive Owen, a doctor, and Julia Roberts, a photographer, and all have an intertwined relationship that we see crumble, rebuilt, and repeated almost almost exactly in that way. Why I say the editing's a highlight is because kind of going off of a, a good rule of thumb in writing, only focus on your characters in the most important moments of their life. Hmm. Uh, in that, we jump into the emotional heights of these relationships. But oftentimes, that's also the messiest and most, you know, uh, emotionally dramatic times as well. And it turns out it's it's kind of a pretty miserable movie for that reason. Oh, okay. Yeah. What and, category? I mean, it's rated R. It's an hour, it's an hour and 44-minute rated R mm-hmm. drama romance, basically. Yeah. Uh, Dark he- drama romance, maybe? Or? Yeah, more, more emphasis on drama than romance. Okay. Uh, and, and I say that just because we don't really see them... In love, we see the aftermath. The we see the fights. Right. We see the cheating. We see, you know, there's there's a lot there that we only see the messy bits, and that's the purpose of the film. But also for that reason, I, I was having a hard time not only enjoying this film but also seeing where it's a good recommendation as well. Hmm, so, okay, the writing is very vulgar and explicit by design. Uh, our story has an obsession with characters being brutally honest in their love lives, and that follows through to their sexual desires as well. Um, I would call it a, a sexy drama. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> it. Uh, dealing with heartbreak and basically the emotional you know, casualties on all sides. Uh, I have to say, some non stuff uh, between this and Anomalisa Lax week. Uh, we have a growing compilation on the site of dirty no good cheaters. <laughs> so we can we can we can grab the, the the old cheaters logo of the TV show and put it, put it on the site. Uh, I mean, listen, man, I can get behind villains, monsters, gangsters, killers, Orson Welles playing Unicron, <laughs> but. Man, when characters are just a piece of shit, it, it just loses me completely. Uh, and I want to be honest in these type of moments. Not that it's affecting my analysis of it, but it's it's something that does affect my enjoyment while I'm watching the films. Is it the thing that you can't get be basically you can't get behind a character? Kind of. I think yeah. I, I think it's um. Uh... I, I think it's a distrust to the character that maybe I look into it and I say, oh, well, if they're our narrator or if they're our, our point of view for the story, mm-hmm. how much do we trust them in this, in these type of instances? Right, okay. Um, uh, you know, kind of an unreliable uh, narrator in that way. But for me, uh, I want to make note of it because it is a little bit gives, – gives perspective to – what the story is about, why is it not a romance, but also, yes, a romance? And more so than anything, just 
you know, make sure you understand what, what I kind of enjoy without it affecting my analysis of the film. If I can make a bridge here sure. with this and Marriage Story. Oh, because, there it is. Uh, classic. Is it in, is it in the notes? Psionic Tom. He's reading my mind. <laughs> classic. Sorry. You, okay, so it's in your notes. What did no, you have no, 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 But no, basically, yeah, obviously I just hear, because Marriage Story, except for a brief intro and beginning Ooh. and everything like that, yep. you're watching things crumble. You're watching yeah. fights. It's not fun sometimes. Right. But it's a must watch. Right, With right. the daily ratings. I what think, are the commonalities and what are the differences there it, it's hard to compare uh marriage story and i'll throw in kramer versus kramer as well just because they oh, deal yeah. with a child custody fight sure so it, it's a different there's there's a very important element missing from that i will say though in why i think something like that works and this doesn't work as well it does work in ways uh is that we don't see the hope for maybe something working out. We don't see the hope for the love in the relationship. And it's because of that editing style being interlocked with the screenplay to show us only, not not the worst of the worst, but the messiest that the relationship falls into. That's where I, I don't think these work as well. Where with Marriage Story, almost strategically, you see basically the reflection on when the the relationship works. And throughout the film, you also see little glimmers of hope of where it could work. And I think, if anything, like the salt to to the uh, to baking something it is necessary to give us a little bit of hope to make the mm. dramatic hit all the more where this was just trying to be so edgy so sexual so vulgar that it all kind of just blended into one kind of miserable drama if that makes sense that does and yeah. is there do you think that there's also separation between them because in this one you have four people just kind of doing bad things being mm. bad people mm -hmm. we're in marriage story weren't they kind of like they were quirky and unique in their own way as yeah. human beings. Yeah. But really, it was just the relationship of these just two people that, being, that wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, it's a tough comparison just because there is a very important piece, plot script wise, with a with a child custody. You know, the the outcome of Kramer versus Kramer mm -hmm. and Marriage Story very different than this. But I, I think in, it can be a comparison to see why. Even though this has the dramatic emotional beats as like a marriage story, it doesn't work as well because it doesn't have that variation. Uh, we right. don't have a yeah. resting point to it. Like I said, the editing and screenplay, they're interlocked and leaping forward to showing the audience these emotional high spots. And oftentimes that's these miserable, heartbreaking moments for these people. And the film just never really takes a break. Yes, this may be a romance because there is a lot of sexual content, but the real experience is all drama because of what the film shows us. Show, don't tell, basically. The film can tell us that time has passed in the relationship. What the film shows us is a constantly crumbling relationship in four directions, basically. I honestly was very torn on this because I can respect the story for the focus and and the focus on the most important parts of a character's life. I like that as a writing principle. Mm -hmm. The film is a bit relentless. Relentless is the word that was 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 coming out to me as I was watching this. That it was just it just does not let up, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Certainly wasn't bad if you really like all four of these actors as well. Right, right. Uh, that's pretty much all that is focused on as far as acting talent. But yeah, that, that's kind of where I was coming from with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think so. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I checks out. <laughs> <laughs> checks out. So, uh, I, you know, while I can appreciate the design to the editing style, the purpose of the story, I just felt that the plot did not let the drama breathe. If I had to kind of condense that thought of... In just how you have something that's good, you need a little bit of salt that's bad. Complete yeah. inverse of that, you need maybe a little bit of good to let the bad hit better. I think that totally Let's, makes sense. Yeah, you need to give yeah you need to give them a little something. Yeah, you need to give us crumbs to keep it going. Exactly. Otherwise, it's just it's too monotonous mm -hmm. of one thing, and that one thing just happens to be kind of depressing or nasty or yeah gross or Vulgar, whatever. Yeah, sexy. I think that can be some enjoyment, but I just think exactly going back to our conversation with Marriage Story and and and, and Kramer versus Kramer, I think we need beats of hope. We need beats of maybe clean to the vulgar as well. Yeah. So here, those moments are filled with revenge sex and rebound hookups and that only leads to more relentless fighting relentless is just what i can came back to again and again with this we're going to go ahead and give closer 2004 a 63 
Oh wow! Okay, I'm always surprised you got into the '60s. Yeah, I think I think the editing style was enough to grab my attention. Cool. Okay. For sure. Yeah. yeah well designed movie then, basically. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. had a purpose for sure. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna jump ahead here. This is uh, just 2002. Uh, 2022, just last year's, yep. this is Empire of Light, rated R, an hour and 55 minutes from a director we both love, Sam Mendes. Mm-hmm. And again, though, I was surprised that this was just on the on the list this week. Yeah. Uh, so why approach it? How'd you like it? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, with, with the amount of movies we covered last year, uh, very little slipped through the cracks. And like we probably have discussed across many different episodes, not the best year for films. Yep, no, <laughs> so, for sure. Uh, I, I wasn't going back to too much there. Great, great year to start the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice ramp here. <laughs> uh, the only movies that I didn't get to and I genuinely wanted to see was Marcel the Shell and Empire of Light. Okay, so where we, you know, in the in the ongoing theme of uh, cleanup work, um, I wanted to watch this this week. Originally, though, back in 2022, this movie grabbed my interest for two simple reasons. I love Sam Mendes as a writer and director, especially with his later career in the Bond films and 1917 being a big highlight. Yeah, uh, and where he's stepping into writing and directing, which I think is an important evolution for him. Uh, and uh, secondly, I absolutely adore Roger Deakins as one of my top, if not my number one, favorite cinematographer. Oh, he did this. Okay, that's yeah. right. Yep. yep. So those were the, the the two two points there that I really wanted to get around to it. Um, beyond that, unfortunately, I didn't find this to be a too, too strong of a film. Okay. Um, definitely a little Oscar bait. Not bad by any things, but a little forgettable and disappointing for that reason coming from these powerhouses of talent. Uh, in Empire of Light, we focus on a classic movie theater in a small British town that sets the stage for a quiet and emotionally tender story about a woman and her young black co-worker. Uh, Hillary is played by the wonderful Olivia Coleman. And Stephen is played by the relative newcomer, Michael Ward, uh, which I really did enjoy his performance here. Hopefully you can see more of Michael Ward. He's hmm. not in too much, but um, maybe this will give uh, a branch into more dramatic roles and whatnot. The two of them have a drastic difference in age, in addition to their racial differences, but their souls are the same. Infatuated by quiet beauty... And infuriated by injustice. They really are two sides of the same coin, and we see them really bonding in this kind of dying space of this old theater. Hmm. And I don't want to use the, word, the, to- the, the term old soul, mainly because people say, I have an old soul. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> people always say that. I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they have this same kind of, um, there, there's the, there's a kindredship between, their, yeah. uh, between them. Okay. And that's what brings them together. Uh, this movie definitely falls into the theme of 2022, uh, that the love of movies and cinema is core to our character's growth, but isn't necessarily the point of the story. Of course, The Fablemans was a prime example of this actually playing into the character's arcs in that movie. Here, it's slightly more than a background element, um, a flavor to the story, if you will, that doesn't exactly matter to the plot, but still is themed around a shared experience going to the theater. I think we can call, hopefully, that style or that little aspect of storytelling Hopefully it doesn't follow us into this year, but you know, cinema nostalgia, uh, especially coming off do, of the pandemic and whatnot. Do you like do you like movies about movies or movies about people dealing with movies? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The track record on the daily ratings is so good, <laughs> yeah. like Babylon sure. and everything. But yeah. generally, I kind of like it built into the storyline a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like it, but it's it seems like maybe it's just a sub. It's a weird subgenre, I think. Yeah, I think uh, you know what comes to mind is like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or something like oh, that. Oh, big time. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's one. Absolutely. Yeah, which I realistically, I'm just not a biggest fan of. Um, you know, it's it's just something there that, I don't know, maybe I just don't like movies about movies. Maybe it's a subgenre <laughs> you don't like. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Boogie Nights. That's the one exception. <laughs> but that's about, that's about porn outs. <laughs> that's, that's a different ball game. But yeah, I, I think um, it fits right in that little, I don't know, uh, topic, that subject that was so hot in 2022, but also kind of gets lost in the shuffle with that i feel like this really has many peers doing similar if not identical things and doesn't exactly make a case for mm. it of why it beats them out so again not bad but a little oscar baity a little forgettable for that reason 
I would say what the film does do well uh, in the romance is the film captures the kind of the difficult feeling of being watched and judged in love. Hillary experiences this through her social fears, being a bit older, creates an anxiety that compounds with a mystery mental illness that we open up the story with. And Stephen has to deal with much more real prejudice that is amplified by our time period being in 1981. It is a it is a flashback time period. So the critical reception to this film was very scattered, mostly knocking it for not exploring these two sides of the conflict more. People really hated on this film because it felt shallow to it. And I can't exactly disagree with that. Hmm. I'll admit that the topics of mental illness and racism are a bit shallow in this, but nothing I felt was outright bad. But in addition to the shallowness, I don't think too much is done to venture into new territory for the plot. Again, there's a there's a quietness, there's a somberness to the film. It's it's something that you're gonna watch and go say, hmm, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's two hours long. So what are our characters working towards something, or can we are we rooting for them for something, or are we? Is it really just the story of these two people mm. and their time together? Yeah, based kind of around theater a little That's bit. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much uh, it. Okay. Uh, and it, it's it's kind of hanging out with these two souls that really click, and maybe some a, mm. a growing acceptance to that as well uh, in, in the romantic side. Right. Right. Uh, sadly, to me, you know, this this somber tone and the time we spent with the characters is not enough to me being really electric about it in the ways that this was on my list no matter what because of the talents behind it. So disappointing for that reason. I don't think it's outright bad, though. Just okay. just one of those movies that uh, you'll probably watch leading up to Oscar season and then forget about, honestly. Uh, I feel nearly every aspect of this film has been tackled by a peer film in 2022 uh, that drills into a single theme that this movie juggles with a lot more focus, but that's not to say that it's outright bad if you decide to give it some time. We're going to go ahead and give Empire of Light a 62. Okay, so 62. <clears throat> yeah, good, a good movie, but nothing nothing crazy yeah. to shout about a yeah. little bit. And, and, I don't and know most who, of all, forgettable. Yeah, I don't know who really this would be for, unfortunately. Like, I don't know who, who I would recommend a movie like this to. Yeah. But, a, a, a difficulty I had as well, I thought maybe if you're a really big fan of Olivia Coleman, uh, she is good in this. Yeah, not many of those, I would yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Who's, who's dying? Uh, one thing not discussed, though, how was the cinematography? Uh, good. Uh, but once again, if anything, like Mendy's juggling of, of writing here... Uh, nothing I was struck by. Uh, perfect example, going back to when we covered um, Assassination of Jesse James. There right. was that one shot of the train, and I say, who did that? And then I found it was Roger Deakins. Nothing like that here, unfortunately. Wow, strange, because we usually get those in, in oh, a yeah. Deakins movie. Absolutely. Okay, all right. A little lackluster, but 62 for Empire of Light from last year. Uh, before we get to our next two, folks, just remember, we're going off the value-for-value value model here. So are you finding the podcast, the website, the newsletter, are you finding it valuable? Meaning, uh, are you enjoying it? Does it make you laugh? Is it helping you crit critique or curtail your own movie watching experience? Are you into cinema more now than what you were before you were listening? That's value to you then. That You're getting something from it. And what we ask is value back in the form of monetary donations. So you go to the dailyratings.com and you go to the donations tab and then through your monetary support, you go ahead and show us value and at the same time become a producer of the daily ratings. Anyone who donates can go ahead, write in a note, which we're going to go ahead and read on the podcast right here. Mm -hmm. And then also, like I said, you become a producer of the daily ratings. It's an actual credit to, towards your name. We're doing this because we want to stay away from corporate advertising. We're also doing this because we don't want to deal with pay structures or pay walls or anything. Sure. It's all here for you. The content is all here. But if you do get something from it, can give us something back. Mm -hmm. We don't want to sit here and pitch three to five products to you in, an, in a single episode because... You know, you become the product. It's not about us telling you about a product that we actually care about because sure. we don't. It's really just trying to get numbers on our podcast. We take our numbers from our podcast and use you to the advertisers saying, wow, look at how many products we <laughs> right, have that you right. can sell. It, it, it's not something that we want to operate. We don't want to deal with that, no. So it's, it's, it's a little bit different. It's called the value for value model, and we would love for everyone to participate and become a producer of the Daily Ratings. It's at dailyratings.com. You go to the Donations tab, uh, and all the info for it is right there. If you're interested in the newsletter, head down to the bottom of any page of the website and just go ahead, put your name, email in, and you'll be good to go. It's some great content every week, every yeah. Tuesday morning. It's just maybe put a little smile on your face in the morning and start 
during and, the week. And like we mentioned, there, there's some serious value. Uh, for the last two weeks, we've had free versions of the movies. So if there's any kind of uh, watching guide or book club aspect to you following along with the podcast at home, folks, uh, guess what? You know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put it there when it's easy to watch. Yeah, you know? it's great. We're not trying to sell you stuff. It's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> check out the box office. Check out the biggest stories of the week. Right. Some fun stuff down at the bottom. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Recipe or two. Uh, anyway, you can find that all at thedailyratings.com. Please become a producer of The Daily Ratings. Become a part of the family. We appreciate you all so much. Now, with that, Vin, let's keep it going here. We are in the newly released, now in theaters. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the one that's kind of smaller released yeah. as far as number of theaters. Mm-hmm. This is Fool's Paradise, uh, written and directed by Charlie Day. Yeah. Why this one, and how'd you like it? Uh, really, just for that factor, that it is the directing debut of Charlie Day, uh, and the first feature film in his writing career. He's, of course, written for Always Sunny, and uh, I think Mythic Quest, I don't know. Uh, he has other kind of uh, TV shows that he's write- written for, but um, this is the first feature film. Interesting. And this was a movie I wanted to get back to back in May. Never got the chance before it fell out of theaters. Oh, is it? oh it's not in theaters right now. Uh, yeah, it's in this gray area that it's probably in some theaters, but they're doing the home release. Uh, oh, okay, so. okay. Well, it's still, it still counts as new release. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a mid-May release. I think we're we're good as far yeah. as the timing. <laughs> uh, uh, if, it, way, if it wasn't for Vin Diesel, you know, yeah. I would have got to it. <laughs> um, I like. I really like the trailer for this. By the way, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And forget the forget to mention that also Ray Liotta is in it. <laughs> right, right. Which well, I was just like, whoa, whoa! I right. thought that Cocaine Bear yeah, was, was I, what the last was in film. That marketing, it, no, like he's clearly in it I in know. a later release. <laughs> so I don't know what that was talking about. Um, but I liked the trailer, and it, it felt like the, the the feel of this movie was pretty good. So I'm excited to hear yeah, about it. Yeah. During that time, though, that uh, it was out of my sights, this picked up some very surprising reviews online. Uh, and I actually kind of want to open with it because it's a little bit of what the hell are they talking about? Mm. But uh, it's got a 27 on, uh, on Metacritic, <laughs> uh, 16 on Rotten Tomatoes. 16. 16? Uh, and half a single star on Ebert. I mean... Really? And so that's when I was like, oh, I got to see this now. <laughs> I got to see what kind of train wreck this is. Uh, and sorry to disappoint, folks. Um, you know, this movie isn't god awful. It's just kind of mediocre. I don't know why people were taken out there. Yeah, what uh, the hell? Yeah. There's big names in it. Jason Bateman's in it. Yeah. Ray Liotta, like we said, Adrian Brody, Kate yep. Beckinsale. Mm hmm. Uh, and come, I, on, come on. I, it, it's a satire of Hollywood. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that people got some feathers ruffled uh, because and of this. People took offense of it. You know, satires, it's a, it's a dicey one. We go back to... Um, wow. What, what was the one with uh, Leo? Uh, the Adam McKay one. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't look but, up. Oh, yeah, but well. people get ruffled. People don't no. like satires. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not ruffling feathers. That was just a bad movie. <laughs> That you must you were under the weather or something when watching. Uh, but yeah, in Fool's Paradise, um, we have a mentally ill mute man played by Charlie Day that stumbles into Hollywood. Day's character is swept away by the swindlers around him, and without a voice to say no, he becomes the acting star Latte Pronto. This movie is trying to be a satire of Hollywood, but specifically to the type of leeches in show business that it will attach themselves to every anyone regardless of talent, just on the the rumor of talent or the rumor of popularity, basically. Everyone around them just kind of talks themselves into showing their idiocy because they feel they need to fill the empty air around him with him being mute. So, <laughs> uh, though there is a big focus on Charlie Day playing this character, he actually plays two characters, really ev- all this this big cast, uh, that's the highlight here. If you like you know, a handful of people on there, maybe give it a watch. It's because a lot of people. Really, they're the ones holding the the comedic talent here for how much they talk and how much you know. It's just not getting bounced back by by Charlie Day's character. Day is really trying to do his best Charlie Chaplin uh, style comedy with this character. There's a lot of physical comedy. Jokes are set up around him not speaking in situations, kind of an awkward stumbling. With that silence, it's kind of taken as artistic brilliance in the story, despite plenty of other characters giving this 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 comedic setup some 
some variation, giving it some meat on the bones, the film stays in this kind of awkward stumbling tone for the whole duration. And I would say this Chaplin-style routine, however, is where I could see it losing most audiences. It's it's old-fashioned comedy and sometimes just isn't the funniest. Mm. I think the satire of this film fails for two reasons. First, it takes place in modern Hollywood with jokes around method acting and superhero films and everything. But the feel of the film does not translate that way in adding to this out-of-place Chaplin-style comedy. You can hear it in the score, in the soundtrack. I don't know. It's going for like this whimsical, kind of almost classical Hollywood feel, but... Not a classical Hollywood setting. It feels like it's mixing two time frames. Yes. What you're seeing is like modern day Hollywood, but yep. the feel of the movie is more of a golden age almost. Absolutely. Mm. And you feel that in the sound. You feel that in Day's character, Latte Pronto, being this – I mean, some some of the physical comedy is right out of a Chaplin film. Right, okay. Uh, you know, he sits down at a at an agent meeting and he knocks over the thing. And, you know, it, it's just – I don't think it's it's not I, – I don't think I found it annoying. I just don't think it's, like, super funny. Yeah, either. no, for sure. Yeah. Secondly, as well, with that satire, there is very little bite to the satire itself. I found myself laughing at some of the more outrageous caricatures here. Um, there is a great skewering of Jimmy Fallon. Uh, that's, that's the one <laughs> I like. <laughs> it's like. It's like a nightmare version of Jimmy Fallon's show. <laughs> just how much people are laughing. Uh, but there really is a shallow reveal at what this all pokes fun at. Once again, I found myself confused. I mean, I, I did not feel this was that bad. It wasn't great. But, but it was just kind of like, okay, yeah. Not half a star, not 27%. Yeah. Not 17%. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the film has a massive cast, though, and, and almost many, uh, almost too many to rattle through uh, with, a f- with full-on Hollywood stars to fellow comedians in Day's Circle. I think this was also another highlight. Um, if you are, are into an improv scene, if you're into a podcaster scene, if you're into seeing Always Sunny co-stars in other spots, the cast really has a lot of highlights, and because Day himself is not cracking jokes, per se, they're given a lot of room to be funny and um, uh, and play a lot of variety of characters in mm. Hollywood. These, these, you know, everyone's a leech, basically. <laughs> uh, I would say the variety of this cast, all of them in comedic roles, was a very big highlight for me. Adrian Brody was great. Okay, yeah. uh, I didn't expect him to be in such a comedic role, so I, I really enjoyed that. There are some cute characters constantly thrown in the mix, and where Day's performance could be lacking in spots, I think the variety here could land it into a positive rating, at least slightly. This also, like you said, includes Ray Liotta. What the hell was Cocaine Bear's marketing talking about? Because this is clearly... (laughs) And why were they not talking about More Fool's Paradise? Right, they might as well. I think this might be the last film to see Ray Liotta They should have just said the real last one. Yeah. Uh, Now, I can't say it's a strong recommendation, but like I said, it's mostly for just not having enough bite in the satire. By no means a bad movie. I feel like I'm repeating myself saying by no means a bad movie. (laughs) Uh, And yet another case of kind of what the hell are people talking about online? I would say, once again, it's in that very large cast. If you enjoy even a handful, let's say three people on that cast, this might be a watch. And specifically, if you like Always Sunny or even curious to see all the comedic talent pulled by day for this production, maybe give it a watch when it comes free to streaming. We're going to go ahead and give Fool's Paradise a 52. Okay, 52. All right, yeah. Yeah. I'm almost excited. I would almost want to see it because of the cameos and everything like that. Yeah. I, uh, did you see the trailer or no? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see, is it just a good trailer or does that <laughs> vibe carry through? You know no, what I mean? No, I, I think that vibe had a much more, I don't know, a Wes Anderson-ness to it. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Literally thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to embarrass myself. No, no, Because <laughs> you're the one who saw the movie. But it felt Wes Anderson-y. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that takes a bad seat, unfortunately. So, yeah, okay. it's, it's probably a case of a good cut trailer. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. 
52 <laughs> Now I'm the psionic yeah. one. I'm Professor Rex. And it, of course you have Adrian Brody in there, yep. too. It's just it's Wes Anderson yep. E already. Absolutely. So he's just got it. Yep. Um, okay, all right. So that's Fool's Paradise, 52%. Let's go to our big blockbuster of the week. It did pretty well in the box office for opening oh, yeah? weekend. So this is film number eight. This is Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Again, if you're viewing chronologically as far as storyline goes, this goes after Bumblebee. Yes. Okay, so how was the film? What was it about? So uh, Rise of the Beast, <laughs> when I saw this uh, get announced, I was like, who cares about Beast Wars? Folks, if you need a laugh, do a quick search on Transformers Beast Wars. This was the original TV spinoff of the original G1 show that was a breath of fresh air for Hasbro's toy line, adding a third faction to the Autobots versus Decepticon War. Um, what we focus on is the Maximals, Transformers that take on animal qualities instead of the usual vehicles, probably because of surplus in toy parts and listen, <laughs> listen. factories. I, I, this is where my kid aspect is like, I'm okay with it. The, the gorilla looks cool. You like animals. The rhino. I'm mech. You, yeah. Space cowboy mech yeah. animal. Yeah. That, that's the divide. <laughs> Um, I would say, but I don't. I don't know. They look cool. Yeah, know? I like the CGI a little bit. Yeah. Could you go through? I think <laughs> all the naming of everything is ridiculous. Maximals, ridiculous. Yeah. Even but the Septicon, stupid. <laughs> right. It's all very childlike. Yeah. If you could just so this is birthed out of second round of TV series. Yes. When does this TV series come out? I believe uh, pre two thousands. It's all CGI, and that's where I say give it a quick Google search because the CGI is ugly okay. as sin. <laughs> Uh, so G1, uh, G1 is normal transport. Yes, like, that's like 81 to 87 or 88. Right. If you're a kid in the 70s or 80s, that, this is your show. Yep. This uh, is huge. Okay. Yep. Transformers Beast Wars basically is your first reboot of it. Okay. Uh, gotcha. And, and there's, there's plenty after that, but this was a, a big one for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, but it, it's, <laughs> it's in the outrageousness of Beast Wars and how it looks. Who thought it was something that they could adapt again? I mean, it is borderline nightmare fuel looking at <laughs> <laughs> this original CGI, and granted, you know it's it's some of the first to do it. So hey, credit to the production team, but man, yeah, not not looking good. So, uh, like I said, I saw this on a Wednesday in a in kind of a fan event, quote unquote. Uh, to my many surprises, uh, there are a lot of fans out uh, there. of this. Yeah, um, I saw some some grown ass men hooting, hollering over <laughs> some Transformers, which I just didn't expect. Uh, so they've been uh, with it since the early eighties. Yeah, some of these guys. exactly. When you're born in seventy, you know, the show's still coming oh, yeah, out when you're in it. peak 10, 11, 12 years Absolutely. old. Absolutely. Yeah, probably even more than comic books at that point. Right, you know? right. Uh, so, <laughs> no hate on that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, no, no. I, I love that, honestly. Uh, it's just, it was surprising is all, because again, my understanding of the show is that it just looked terrible, and <laughs> right. I didn't think there were any fans for Beast Wars, but <laughs> I was wrong. As far as, far as reboot goes of, of movies, mm. no one was asking for the Mark Wahlberg ones. People uh, certainly weren't asking for these. <laughs> yeah, true that, true that. Absolutely. I feel like uh, Hasbro has to, had to do basically damage control from those movies. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Bumblebee and, and this are in its own like little pocket timeline or, or, or set before. Directing here in this live action remake is Stephen Kimball Jr., uh, who we cross paths with with, unfortunately, the worst of the Creed movies, Creed 2. Yep. Uh, I think Kimball Jr. does put a lot of life into the first 30 minutes of this film. And we'll go into a little bit of what the nostalgia is around that I think he's able to bring a lot of personality to an otherwise, you know, kind of very corporate blockbuster. Unfortunately, that does get pushed to the sideline once we get into the CGI mashing mech fest, okay. basically. Okay. So in Rise of the Beast, Optimus Prime meets up with Optimus Primal and must team up for to they must team up unless in facing inevitable destruction. The looming threat is the biggest baddie of the whole damn franchise, Unicron the Chaos Bringer regrettably not played by Orson Welles or even some AI voice of Orson Welles. I really <laughs> would take that as, as much that was turn him in his grave. Uh, this launches the biggest MacGuffin hunt you have ever done seen, folks. They gotta get a key. Then that key becomes two keys. Then that key becomes it needs a code. And I was just saying, someone kill me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, it's I, I I think again, like I said, the first thirty minutes. There's a lot of personality in this film. Uh, man, does the actual function of the story just? It's so slow, so cookie cutter though. You know, mm. I mean these these nonsense keys, and then oh man. I mean, you got the biggest baddie. You want to do some cool stuff. With yeah, it. yeah, exactly. And then to have it fit into such a, I mean, really by the books uh, type of MacGuffin hunt, mm-hmm. uh, going after it. We get a guy and a girl, uh, Noah and Elena, uh, helping the audio box track down the key and keeping it out of the bad guy's hands. Basically, um, just like Bumblebee took place in the '80s, this movie picks the '90s as its setting and is packed with 90s nostalgia and needle drops. But to my surprise, uh, almost identical to Bumblebee, uh, this section was far from terrible. Uh, it really okay. wasn't bad. I, looking at the cast, I did not like this cast. Yeah. Uh, and I was almost wide, you know, big blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd want to get bigger names in there, kind sure, of. Sure, uh, How were they, though? Uh, not bad. Okay. Uh, I, I was, again, this first 30 minutes, the, the human section, if you will, before robots are introduced, before the Transformers are introduced, I, I think it was it was really working. Not that I would know where that would go without the Transformers, sure. but I think uh, Cable Jr. should be proud of that first 30 minutes. Um, there's some really enjoyable characters. The rapper Toby Wigwe uh, was great, and I would honestly love to see him in more stuff. He was, he was awesome on screen. Okay, all right. And if anything, I think my expectation was just impossibly soiled by Shia LaBeouf spazzing out on every scene, you know what I mean? I, I think my expect why I'm shocked by the human side working in Bumblebee and in this is that I'm just I'm just the idea the concept of anything working like that is wow. soiled by Shia LaBeouf and Mark Wahlberg wow okay uh, not a fan. okay wow yeah. not a Shia fan not a Shia <laughs> you, fan you for the know, originals you know I'm not a Shia fan <laughs> but once uh, this big MacGuffin hunt kicks off uh, excuse me the key to intergalactic travel uh, <laughs> things get just so formulaic uh, this honestly lost every ounce of my attention wow uh, I mean it gets really formulaic so much so that I, I, I could probably walk out of the film and guess every plot beat. Uh, <laughs> a lot of writers on it, too, by the way. Oh, I bet. I mean, this is a committee. This yeah. is a committee script, for sure. <laughs> the introduction of Maximals is a perfect example of this. There's just nothing remotely interesting done in the movie, and nonetheless, nothing done for... The whole point that the fans were coming out, they wanted to see the Beast Transformers. I honestly feel bad for the fans of the Beast Wars because the Maximals are so underwhelming in how they're used creatively, other than like fights, and they get a fraction of the screen time in their own damn movie. We Mm. have a Black Widow situation where... These, you know, the main Transformers that we know, Optimus and crew, they get more runtime than the film that's named after the Beast Transformers. Right, not a lot of beasts. Yeah. Not a lot of beasts <laughs> in the film. Maximal. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I would be interested to hear from any folks at home if you are a fan of the Beast Wars hey, show. They are out there. Yeah. Like I said, not my bag. Maybe you know, I apologize for for crapping on it a little bit, but I don't know. I just felt if if you're seeing this film, I'm curious to hear like, did this do it for you? Because I feel like they got like one third of the showtime mm. when it's their movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Almost I want to see the, some mech animals. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. To the point that I would almost say like, take Optimus out entirely. Yeah, you know, let it mm. only be the max. I don't like that. No, no, no. no Optimus Prime's a cool character. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're ruined for this. What you could do I is have more action. You could drop some of the key search and go for action. Yeah. Again, I didn't see it. Maybe no. I'd love it. Maybe I'd love this one. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the action all feels very weightless, though. These are massive robotic creatures that are now animals too, and ferocious like animals and how they move. And the impact on the screen is still so weak. I mean, this is my critique for all of the Transformers films. Um, It could be anything from weapons clashing to bot-to-bot contact to using an object as a weapon. The feel and the sound is wrong in all of these. A perfect example. Interesting, okay is um, Optimus has like an axe weapon that he, uh, he he wields out. This It's like it's like red hot when it comes out. Right. It looks awesome. I mean, it's a giant goddamn axe. Yeah. And when he collides with it, it, you know, it just it just feels and it sounds so like tinny 
and weak and has no weight behind the CGI and the design. <laughs> you know, listen, folks, I'll leave my praise for Pacific Rim if we ever revisit it. But this shit was figured out 10 years ago. If you want your giant robots to have weight, if it doesn't, if the fights don't feel big, if it doesn't sound powerful, your action doesn't work. It's got to have weight behind it. And I feel like all of these Transformers movies, they're just too, they're too weightless. Um, uh, Cookie Cutter is a good one as well. Yeah. And if the action's not there, the action's not there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just, just for me, I just never, uh, even even though it's faster paced sometimes, uh, and can play into more, I don't know, uh, phonetic type of action sequences between these you know, CGI figures. Sure. Uh, I just feel like it would be so much better if we felt the weight of what these are, giant robots, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> and that's <laughs> I, why I say like this shit was figured out. I don't before. disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. And I yeah. think it's a problem with modern day blockbuster Hollywood too, kind of, where sure. you just kind of get that, you know, mm-hmm. I, to the point where King Kong and Godzilla going at yes. it. I find their final fight, hey, who doesn't like to say two mo- monsters going at right. it? But it just doesn't have any weight to it. it 100%. It, it's a bit cookie cutter. It's... I don't know, with this one, if they're the classic city where you're just kill, killing tens of thousands of people, <laughs> no. buildings falling over, you know Luckily, what I mean? Luckily, they get down to Peru right. pretty fast, so <laughs> I guess we don't care about that. <laughs> but I think it's all too common of a weightlessness yes. of badass characters on screen yeah. not really doing anything to impress. Right, right. And, and it's a perfect example. You know, when you think about a, a fight between Kong and Godzilla, what, you want them to, like, barrel through a, a building? Well, when that building doesn't have any weight to it, it doesn't feel real to the audience. And I sure. think it falls on sound design as equal as action design. You know what I mean? I think that's a great that's a great note. Yeah. Because that's something that we've definitely picked up on big yeah. time. Of yeah. Those little things that just throw it off a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. So um, maybe that could boil down to a preference uh, if if hardcore fans of Transformers, maybe they like that more kind of, you know, it feels like toys maybe bashing clicky, each yeah, other yeah. <laughs> instead of actual, you know, big mech robots. But yeah, that, that's my perspective on it. So specifically, though, I did not feel as strongly about this in Bumblebee because I think there was less group action and action overall. Uh, here, the fights are so large in scale and trying to be so Infinity War endgame level uh, to the action of the movie, it really just loses me altogether. I'm sorry, but one of the worst artifacts from Marvel movies is action scenes just being a line of characters running at a line of characters. I mm. feel like that is my least favorite type of... I don't care how, how big scale it is. I don't care how epic it, it looks. Ties back to that weightlessness. Things and, fail there. Yeah. 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 And that goes all the way back to, uh, to Civil War with, with, you know, when that started with Marvel. And, you know, it hasn't gone anywhere. Now, granted, like I said, this was, uh, this was, <laughs> we got some fans in the crowd on this one. And there was a lot of hype from these type of scenes, these type of line of characters running at line of characters action sequences. So there was a surprising amount of cheers. So if you really love the original Beast Wars TV shows, this might do it for you. But honestly, for me, I thought this was a very weak film, shaking none of the criticisms I had in past for the franchise, and more importantly, splitting the time with new characters and having the same old stuff that we have seen for six-plus movies. We're going to go ahead and give Transformers Rise of the Beasts a 43. Ooh, 43 in the 40s. Okay. Okay. Well, it's worse than normal Transformers. Which has a 57 on the daily ratings. Whoa! You know, I tried <laughs> my best early, not to... Yeah. That was an early add-on. I, I stand add-on. by that. I stand by that. Oh, I think 57 is fair. Maybe, yeah. even, maybe even a little bit more generous on that. Uh, 43% for Transformers Rise of the Beast. It's a shame because, I don't know, something about the Transformers I kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think if it could, it just could have been done better. Yeah. Because you have space you could be dealing with. Yeah. You have other planets you could be dealing with. I just feel it could be, it could be like a mech. Marvel, but better than Marvel. Like, just do it right. It Fair. Could be, it could be badass. I mean, it's... And it's not that badass. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just not. Yeah. You could have epic space mech adventures. Right. And that's where and I go human back... human elements, sure. To you know? that first film is like... 
All we want is the war on Cybertron. They have failed seven times at giving us the war on Cybertron. Yeah, and just like with this, where you have not Uni- not Unicron, is it Unicron? Is uh, the big baddie? Big guy. Yeah. If you're gonna reboot Transformers, mm-hmm. do it in a trilogy and sure. like lead up to it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. Then be, be, make it our end game. Make that uh, Thanos. Make that the Thanos. Yeah, absolutely. And just build to it and actually try to do something. This just seems like a one-off. I'm sure it's not a one-off, but it's. it's I I feel like it came and went. Mm. And already, no one, ever, no one, ever, no one was talking about it. No yeah, one was asking yeah. for it three years ago when yep. it got announced or whenever the hell it got announced. Yeah, you know what I mean. It definitely is also getting lost in the shuffle of nerddom uh, for uh, into the Spider Verse. There's a lot going on. Uh, and as yeah. far as Hasbro goes, you know, it, they kind of had a fail with Dungeons and Dragons just oh, two months sure. ago. For sure, it's just, it's just give it a rest. Mm-hmm. Give it a rest, mm-hmm. Hasbro. Yeah, I, I don't think they will though. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are just gearing up, but but yeah, that that's really my thoughts on it. And but uh, unfortunately, it really is my thoughts on all of those Transformers. Mm, and to yeah. tie back to the beginning of the episode, that's why I really wasn't doing the franchise homework with this one. Yeah, because like I really the action and how the mechs feel—they're so weightless. I, I I it would just be repeating it for for six plus movies. You know? I started after I finished up the Transformers the movie. Uh huh. I started a Bumblebee because I was like, I'm going to watch these in order. I'm going to do this on my own. Whoa. Uh, boy, that lasted <laughs> eight minutes. I mean, John. Oh, wow. Well, you put John Cena on screen, and yep. I was just like, I'm out. Um, I'm, I don't even need to see Haley Reinhardt, who yeah. we talked about previously. We both like Re- uh, Haley Reinhardt. Uh, Steinfield. Steinfield. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, boy, no thank you. No thank you, John yeah, Cena. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no thank you. John Cena. Uh, Vin, looking at any of these here, uh, anything you want to add, anything you want to touch on, or uh, roll credits here? Uh, I think we're good. We got uh, a big release next week uh, with The Flash. We'll see if Ezra Miller is behind bars by that point. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, excited for it. There's a lot of hype around it, Mm -hmm. and... uh, We'll see if we can put DC to bed. Two more movies to go and until it, we're in finally new DC. That's but. right, because these are just throwaways now. Yeah, basically. These are like, let's get our money back at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, wow. can't, we can't scrap them together. All right, that'll be next week. Vin, thank you so much for uh, sitting down here, watching them, and stopping by here. Folks at home, we're running down one more time. We have The Transformers, the movie, with a 72%. Closer, with a 63%. Empire of Light, with a 62 Fool's Paradise with a 52. Transformers Rise of the Beast with a 43%. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you just had to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but we also want to be independent from those corporate sponsors, so we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Thank you.